0: You're listening to highlights from One Planet podcast interview with Maya Van Rossum, founder of Green Amendments for the Generations. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. There are many statistics. The numbers are really big when we talk about how many people lose their lives, whether it's their actual life through death, or the quality of their lives, or their ability to. Live happy, healthy lives because of pollution and degradation to the water, to the air, to the soils, the devastation of our landscapes that affects us so deeply. But it's also very easy, right, when we read the news or read reports to think, okay, well, it's just a bunch of numbers. Okay, that doesn't really affect me. And what I really try to do through the book is tell stories of people like Gina that really bring it home and make people understand that pollution and degradation affects all of us. And the effect is deep. It's emotional. It's on our happy, healthy lives. It's on our families. And so we all really need to care about it and need to find this most powerful solution to addressing environmental degradation and the climate crisis. So in the United States of America, when it comes to environmental protection, there is a lot of power in the hands of the states And there's also a lot of power in the hands of the federal government. Really, the laws by design sort of split the authority between state government and federal government. So when we have a constitutional provision in the state constitution, that will guide and dictate what state government officials can and must do. But it does not address the federal government and federal officials. So we really need a federal Green Amendment to address the federal government and federal officials. And the opposite is true too. We couldn't just get a federal Green Amendment and really feel like we had fully covered all the ground necessary when it comes to recognizing and protecting environmental rights. Even if we had a federal constitutional Green Amendment, we would want Green Amendments in every state constitution across our nation so we could be ensuring that our states were also doing better. I think in the simplest way I can explain it is that. What a Green Amendment is, it is language that recognizes the rights of all people to clean water and clean air, a stable climate and healthy environments, and obligates the government to protect those rights and the natural resources of the state for the benefit of all the people in the state, or if it was a federal Green Amendment in the United States. And they become obliged to protect those environmental rights and those natural resources for the benefit of both present and future generations. That's functionally what it does. But to help people understand what it accomplishes is that a Green Amendment actually obligates to recognize and protect our environmental rights in the same most powerful way we recognize and protect the other fundamental freedoms we hold dear. Things like the right to free speech, freedom of religion, civil rights, private property rights. We all know how powerfully they are protected from government overreach and infringement. Well, when we have Green Amendments, now the environment and our environmental rights are added to that list of highest constitutional freedoms and protections. It's very, very important, right, that people are fully informed about What is the current situation when it comes to the environment and environmental impacts within their community? And what does the science say about a proposal that's coming down the pike? I mean, what we see, whether we're talking about a residential or commercial development project or we're talking about another industrial operation. The industry will always come in and make claims that it's good for the environment, good for the people, it creates jobs, it won't do any harm. In fact, we hear that from the fossil fuel industry all the time. Fracked gas from shale, the industry is always saying is part of the climate solution when in fact it is a big part of perpetuating and growing the climate crisis. So it is very, very important for people to be armed with the facts and to be armed with the science. It's also very important that they understand to the degree they can, right? Not everybody's a lawyer. You know, what are the laws that are implicated? What are the agencies that have a role in deciding whether or not they will be exposed to whatever the proposal is that's coming down the pike? But I think also something that's very important Whether people have a Green Amendment or not, is really for them to take into their hearts and their minds this understanding and belief that the right to a clean, safe, and healthy environment is truly an inalienable right that belongs to all people by virtue of the fact that we are here on this earth. It's not something that government has given to us. Government doesn't give us the right to clean water and clean air. We're born with that. The question is, What do we do to protect those environmental rights from harm by industry, by developers, and by unscrupulous lawmakers? One of the things that we do is we try to pass and enforce good laws. The problem is, the way all the laws are written nationwide is they really, at the state level and the federal level, they really start from a place that pollution and degradation is acceptable. And so we need to just manage it. And they manage it by issuing permits that very literally legalize the environmental harm that's about to happen. They don't start from a place of, is this pollution or degradation avoidable? Can we actually prevent this? And so one of the things that a constitutional Green Amendment does is it actually, first off, It recognizes the inalienable rights of all people to a clean, safe, and healthy environment. It means that when people go to advocate for their environmental rights, they're not just advocating for a belief that they hold in their hearts and their minds, but they will now be advocating for a constitutional right that belongs to them because they are in their state or they are here in the United States, depending on which Green Amendment that we're talking about. And that's something easy for people to understand. You don't need to understand the nuances of the Clean Water Act to understand a constitutional right. And then what it also does is it very literally constitutionally obligates our government to refocus themselves, to be focused on preventing pollution and degradation, not legalizing it through permitting. And so you begin your book, The Green Amendment, by recalling your mother and grandfather loved nature and social justice. And you've passed this on. I know you run a podcast as well with your daughter, Annika. So, you know, what did you learn from your family that inspires you to maintain your resolve and hold fast to your missions? So the first thing I learned is that you need to live what you believe, whether it's environmental justice, social justice, environmental protection. Do whatever you can. Live your best life to try to advance that good objective goal and belief. We can all do better in our own personal lives and that's really important. I think the other thing that I learned, my parents did it in a different way than I do it, but they did it every day. When they saw, just like when I see injustice, no matter how large or how small, they spoke up and they did something about it. When, you know, it came to my OPA, he stood up against the Nazis. And did not allow them to take his sons to have to work in service to the Nazi movement. And so did my Tante Truss, my great aunt, is recognized with saving uh, on the order of 10,000 children, Jewish children from the Nazis. With my mom, she had so many beliefs in the importance of living a good life. And so she always carried that forward, even if it was seeing somebody behaving inappropriately in the supermarket. Budding in line or being unkind to the check register person unnecessarily. My mom was always the first to speak up and say, hey, you know, don't do that. And so I just learned from them by watching them, by being supported by them, that, again, you live what you believe. And when you see injustice in the world, you do what you can to address it, whether it's large or whether it's small. I see how you pass this message on, but it's one that we're all coming around to it. And I'm just glad to see that. I think that in your 30 years, it's a life's work, right? You must have a lot of reason to actually be hopeful because you have personally achieved things. And as you look back on that, what are you happy that you achieved? I'm happy that we protected the Delaware River from fracking at the Delaware River Keeper Network. I'm happy that I stopped the Dark Hollow Dam. I am Not happy that highway that was referred to in the quote, where they literally filled in part of a river for a highway to accommodate truckers that cut the people, the Trenton community off of their riverfront. That kind of loss is heart-wrenching. My very first Mother's Day, I was out there with my baby on my back, knocking on doors, handing out flyers my way of trying to get people to step up and step out against that highway and we lost. So there are many successes that I'm happy about. Big one, of course, is our Pennsylvania victory that brought me to this place of founding the Green Amendment movement. But I think more than that, I am hopeful. I am hopeful because I see so many people who care and who care deeply and who are really embracing this Green Amendment movement. It's amazing how powerfully It resonates with people because while they can't get their heads around, what does the Clean Water Act say or the Clean Air Act say or the blog, this law or that, they can get their heads around, I have a right to clean water and clean air and I'm going to advocate for it. And so that's a beautiful, powerful thing. And it's really so empowering to see how people advocate for the environment in general, but also advocate for this Green Amendment movement because the message is so accessible. I think the other thing is that I also just have this real belief. If I can't be positive and hopeful, what's my option to become depressed and sit down and shut up? Well, if I sit down and shut up, that's one less voice for the earth. That's one less voice for nature. That's one less voice for victimized people, you know, who are being sacrificed to industry. So I don't really feel like I have the luxury of, wallowing in deceit or despair and sitting down and shutting up. I feel that I have a duty and an obligation to speak for the earth. And while fundamentally the, the Green Amendment movement and constitutional Green Amendments are about the rights of the people, I believe that by framing our Green Amendments in the way traditional constitutional rights are framed, where it is a right of the people, we give so much power to nature because we really are giving the people the power they need to protect our natural resources, to speak in defense of our critters and our wild places and our wild spaces and for future generations to rise up in the most powerful way for our climate. I believe 100% in, in the rights of nature, 100%. But the thing is fundamentally, it's core, the rights of nature are about nature having its own voice in the courtroom, right, being able to bring its own legal challenges to defend itself. But when you're going into the courtroom, what you are relying upon are the laws on the books. And if the laws on the books suck and sacrifice nature, in my mind, it doesn't matter if it's the river advocating for itself or a person advocating for the river, if the laws don't rise to the occasion of protecting the river in the most powerful way it needs to be protected and protecting the people in the most powerful way they need to be protected, then we're not going to be victorious at the end of the day. But the Constitution is above those laws. So it creates this overarching power and really empowers people to be better advocates for themselves and better advocates for nature. And so I guess I just like look at all of these things together and I'm hopeful and I really believe that we will save the world. And I'm just sad that it's taking so much time. We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you'd like to get involved in One Planet Podcasts or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.